John chapter 7. Uh, we're headed up. Actually, the Feast of Tabernacles is the 23rd of uh, this month. Look at the uh, symbolism in the Feast of Tabernacles. I just love the Feast of Tabernacles. I went to uh, a feast, celebration of a feast, Rosh Hashanah, last Sunday night at a uh, Messianic church over off the Southwest Freeway, uh, Beth Yeshua. And it was a wonderful celebration. And uh, how many of you in here have ever heard the, uh, a shofar blown? A shofar, you know what a shofar is? It's the horn that's blown and, and all. Uh, this man had one and he blew the shofar and uh, it was a long one, so it was really loud. The sanctuary there uh, at Sharp Towns Baptist is not real, real big, but he blew that thing about 30 times there. Uh, and it is just, it makes the hair stand up on the back of your head. And they actually had about seven guys that had shofars, and they decided just to allow one to do it because they all were going to blow their shofars, and that would have just blown us away. And uh, it was a real celebration. You're talking about them celebrating. And the rabbi, uh, obviously, is the pastor of the church. He gave a wonderful uh, uh, message and also the celebration and worship and praise. Uh, it was uh, it was just wonderful, awesome. Feast of Trumpets, by the way, as far as Rosh Hashanah. And so it's awesome. And as we look at John chapter 7, we're following up. If you remember a couple weeks ago, the question was, what happened to everybody? When Jesus started talking about, if you really want to follow me, you have to drink my, you know, my blood and, and eat my flesh. And remember, the people said, hey, this is too hard. This is... What is he talking about here? See, they were thinking in the natural. And they, uh, they left. They got out of Dodge. They left him there. Remember what Jesus said? He looked at the disciples and he said, are you going to leave also? And Peter, Peter he, of course, he's the one that always speaks up. And he said, Lord, where are we going to go? You know, you had the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? Remember? These were people following Jesus. And, and so we look at chapter 7. And actually, we're leading up to the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, in chapter 7, we'll just skip ahead just a moment because we're going to read the first 13 verses. I'm going to talk to you about that. But here in verse 37 of John chapter 7, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. And by this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believe in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. I've jumped ahead, but I love that pa passage, because what was happening was the ceremony of the Feast of Tabernacles with the, the priest carrying the water and all everything symbolic, pointing to Jesus, here Jesus was in the crowd. He eventually went to the, went to Jerusalem to, he loved to go to the feast there. And he stood up in the midst of the people and in a loud voice, he said, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and you can drink and streams of living water will flow from you. Normally a teacher sat and when they were teaching, but in this case, right in the middle of their ceremony, here was the glorious Son of God standing up. He was he broke all tradition in that way and, and spoke loudly, if anybody. Here was the one 
that obviously spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well. He said, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. But you're going to have to keep filling that jug up with water in the natural. But he's talking spiritually. And so before the feast was taking place, these 13 verses in chapter 7 of John, right at the beginning, let me read them to you. Several things I really want you to see in this particular, these few verses as we read. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. He would not walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. And his brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you do. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, reveal yourself to the world. For even his brothers, even his brothers, did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told him, My time has not yet come, but your time is always fitting. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify concerning it that its works are evil. You go up to this feast. I'm not going up to the feast yet, because my time has not yet fully come. And having said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. You think about it. Jesus is here. He's preparing to go to the feast, but he was waiting. His followers are urging him. He's kind of pushing, a little bit pushy. And so he was saying, you know, y'all can do anything you feel like is right, but I want to tell you what I, the way I do it. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. He got alone with the Lord, his Father, and he listened. And remember, he would get away and he would hear what the Lord wanted to do. And so he always did what he saw his Father doing. He was always doing that. So when we think about this today, is that there are several things I think are, are, are really powerful here because really, if you think about it in the natural, why wouldn't Jesus just come in down into Jerusalem and just zap them all because he had the power to be able to do it? He had the power. He was God. He was here on earth as God. Why wouldn't he do that? It's because he had a, a purpose for being here. He knew he was going to Jerusalem. He knew that he would die for the sins of the world there. But I want to talk about today certainly something that is so important, and that is about faith, about faith. And, you know, presumption is not faith. A lot of us presume that we're kind of doing our own thing and we're going along, and yet we really don't know what God's will is. If I would ask each one of you today, what is God's will for your life? Or do you feel like that you're at the center of God's will in your life today? I want you to examine yourself. Ask yourself. Or do you feel like you're sort of just doing your own thing? Do you know that God has revealed himself in one way or another to you that he has a plan for your life, that he has a purpose for your life? Are you sort of just meandering through life and hope that you can sort of get to the end? So Jesus knew what he was going to do. He had heard from the Father. He knew perfectly the Father's timing as far as when he would go to Jerusalem. And he was not going to go against the will of the Father. 
But I'm afraid today, so many, so often that many Christians today, and maybe many churches today, basically have something they've planned out because it religiously looks good, but yet it may not be the will of God for the individual or maybe for the, the church corporately. Jesus heard from the Father. He knew how God spoke. And he listened, and he wasn't going to go against that. Although he was persuaded by this group, these group of followers, those he had chosen, to actually try to persuade him to go against what God was saying. They said that they didn't believe in him yet. In other words, they did not know who he was, that he actually was the Messiah at this particular point, evidently. And so Jesus is saying here is that, you know, I'm going to do my Father's will, no matter what. And you're not going to tell me otherwise. And so many people today will say, well, God told me this and God told me that. And sometimes that may be true, certainly, but we need to obviously be sensitive when we say certain things or maybe in, in our inclination to do certain things. Because why? It's because we all have possibly some impure motives. We have things that maybe we want to see happen in our lives and, and, and that interferes with really what God wants for you and for me. Jesus knew, and he was going to stay. He loved to go to the Feast of Tabernacles. We know that, but we know also, even in spite of that, he was saying, no, there's a timing issue here. And you know, I believe there's a timing issue in your life and my life also. Many times when we get out and we're going to do this and that, we've already made the decision. I want to tell you why. It's because many times, many major decisions are done in congregations' lives and in people's lives, and they never ask for prayer about it. They never come to me about it. I'm not, the, I'm not obviously God, but I'm the pastor. And we pray together. And I can, we can point and we can counsel together. Many people want to do what they want to do no matter what it is. And it may not be God's plan. But Jesus knew God's plan. Jesus knew. And he was not going to obviously break out of that. He wanted to, to uh, follow God no matter what it cost him. And so we see here, the one important thing is, is that, that presumption is not faith. Faith comes by hearing. Remember this. The word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word or rima word of God. In other words, the reveal word of God. Faith is triggered by that revelation of God's word. And when that happens, you know that you know and you're going to step out in faith and do what God tells you to do. I'm afraid many times Christians are definitely doing great, good things, but they're religious activities and it may not be God's best. Jesus, obviously, was in the perfect center of God's will. So the question today is, are you at the center of God's will, am I? Is this church really doing what God's called it to do? I think it's something to be very, very cautious about. Because a lot of times when we say, you know, uh, thus saith the Lord. And a lot of times the old Pentecostals would say, thus saith the Lord. And, and they were careful. Whenever I feel like God has spoken to me, notice how a lot of times we'll couch that. I'll go, I believe that God has said this. I'm careful about that. I do not want to denigrate the name of God 
and say he said something that really he did not. And so obviously there, there's forgiveness. And yes, we need to hear God and we need to learn and we need to grow with that. But we also need to be careful about that. We need to seek the Lord to know we're at the center of what he wants us to do. Very important. We are, I believe, called to be a prophetic people. I believe we're called, certainly in any generation, but I believe we're called to be a prophetic people, but we have to be careful about that. We need to be cautious. Many people today, y'all know, they use the Lord's name in vain. You know, they use um, God and Jesus, and you hear things that makes me cringe. Um, I, I, I just, I, I'm like, I just want to go over there and say, you don't know what you're doing. His name, obviously, is so reverential. So it, it, it strikes awe to your heart. But yet sometimes when we go through, I think we defame God's name. We say, I'm going to do this. And you've never even consulted God. Or you've never looked to him. Or maybe you haven't had anybody pray for you about it and ask, is this really what God wants for me in this time of my life? It's so important. That's why God brought the church together. So we can pray for one another and we pray for one another. But I want to tell you today, we need to pray more. I'm telling you, I'm not going to be legalistic about it, but I'll tell you, we need to pray more and we need to seek the Lord because I believe that he has a purpose for your life and my life and also for this church, Lighthouse Fellowship. And the only way that will happen is his people get out on their knees and they begin to ask the Lord, what is your plan? Because if not, we're presuming on a lot, whole lot, aren't we? We're presuming on that. Jesus did not presume. He had faith and he waited and he waited. You know, a lot of people, they don't like, you know, wait on the, on the Lord because you'll renew your strength. You'll mount up on wings like eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint, you know. And, and a lot of people, we don't want to wait. We don't want to wait on the Lord. We're like, let's get on with it and let's do this and let's make this decision. And it might be that God's not in that decision you're making. But as you wait upon the Lord, you'll renew your strength and you will mount up on wings like eagles. And so Jesus is saying here, be careful about that. I believe that God is raising up, obviously a pro- awakening a prophetic people who know his voice and walk in his ways. I believe that the church, though, has embraced a, what's, what I call a Greek mindset, mindset. It assumes the answer to everything is education. It says knowledge is important, definitely is important, but it overemphasizes on logic and reason for the interpretation of scriptures. I remember when God first spoke to me, he spoke to me powerfully through the living Bible. And that's a paraphrase. It's not even obviously in the interpretation and so forth. But God, I use the living Bible from the very beginning. But God revealed himself through the, and I could not explain it. Logic. And sometimes reason, obviously, we don't throw our minds out, but we've got to think more like God thinks and less like our humanity does. I believe God is calling the people today that know his voice, that hear him and step out. God, Jesus knew his father's voice. He said, I'm not going to Jerusalem at this time. They're going to kill me and it's not my time yet. And they were saying, well, you know, let's go. We're ready to go. Let's do it. Everybody around you will tell you how to do it. Trust me. Even Christians that are mean, well-meaning. But the question is, what is God saying to you? 
What is God's word saying to you and to me and to this church? What is it? We need to seek his face, don't we? We need to ask him. I want to tell you, if you only flow in what you understand, there'll be no miracles. If you and I truly just, we say, well, I don't understand this and that. Well, I don't understand a lot of what God does because I'm not God. He is. When God heals somebody or God gives some type of prophetic word or maybe God gives supernatural direction or maybe supernatural deliverance, whatever it may be. I don't understand that, but let me tell you today, it's God and the miracles that happen. Can you explain the miracles that God does in your life on a, I know, a regular basis? Can you explain it? I can't, but I trust and hear God. I want to, I want to be so close to him. You know, that old uh, black minister that I was visiting in hospice years ago, and I always said, repeated what he said, we get together and talk about Jesus every time I visit. He wanted to see me all the time. I could have lived with him, I think. We could have just talked and talked and fixed, drink coffee. And he said, Jim, he said, we need to be wrapped up and tied up and entangled in Jesus. We need to know his heart. We need to beat with the heart of the Father. Jesus knew that, and he knew. Let's stay. I'm not going to Jerusalem now. They're going to kill me before my time. So don't believe, obviously remember that, is that if God tells you to go into the bars and preach the gospel, then go. You need to ask God to obviously affirm that, confirm that, and you need people praying for you. But if he didn't tell you to go into bars and preach the gospel, don't go in there. Do what God tells you to do. Faith is about hearing God and doing what he says to do. A couple of years ago, right after the Memorial Day flood where the water came up in our yard in the back and the front, right to the door, didn't come in the house, thank God, and then eventually flooded with Harvey, of course, a year later. But I was going to Ecuador, if you remember, and man, I was struggling because I needed to hear God. And here I was going the first part of June of 2016. And so the water was coming up in the back, and I could see it like a lake, and the water was coming up in the front. The, uh, we were up pretty high, and the water was coming up, and I told the Lord, I said, well, Lord, you know, I thought I, you said you wanted me to go to Ecuador. If that water comes in my house, then you know I cannot go to Ecuador because I'm going to be cleaning up and rebuilding what was torn down. I cannot, and I struggled. I couldn't sleep. Cindy was sleeping like a baby. I was walking through the water outside, seeing how high it was coming up. Then I'd come in with my tennis shoes on, and it would squeak and squeak, and it would wake her up. And she said, would you go to bed and sleep? I said, the water is going to come in the house, and we're going to flood. But I was struggling, because I didn't know whether God really wanted me to go to Ecuador or not. I was continuing to pray. Everything was planned, but there was a struggle. There was a spiritual battle down deep, and I needed to hear what God had to say. I couldn't sleep at night. I was up nights, and I was struggling with him. I was, I was just kind of wrestling with God like Jacob was. And finally, it was a breakthrough. And I went. and went down there. And immediately touched down and got into pastor's daughter's car that early that Monday morning and said we've got planned a house cleaning on our church property God had already spoken to me and said that that's what we were going to do didn't know when we got a house cleaning for the church property all over the property that we're having witches that are showing up down front in the altar we're having all types of things supernatural things happening and we need to clean house and I went 
God had spoken to me earlier about that and said, this is what we're going to do. And so when we got in there and we sat down, the pastor was sitting beside me and his daughter was there and she's speaking English and Spanish uh, fluently. Y'all know Andrea, she's been here. And uh, I looked at her and I said, who's going to head this thing up? She said, you are. I said, do I have the pastor's permission? He said, yep. Nestor said yes. So we went through supernaturally. The next night, a young lady who's 18 years old, her name's Paula. She's a cutter. They're going, you need to see her because she needs deliverance. She's been in witchcraft. Her grandmother, come to find out the whole lineage in her whole family had been in witchcraft for, for uh, uh, all their years, going back probably generations. And that all came out, and there was deliverance. And this, this young lady who was a cutter got freedom while we were there. Let me tell you today, it was the reason why, and I'm going back, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm make a long story short. What I'm saying is, is we need to hear what God has to say. Amen. We do not need to presume. I do not need to go into a deliverance session where God is saying, I don't want you working in this particular situation because I want to tell you today, it is not me, it is God. And Jesus knew that before he went to Jerusalem. He knew that, that this was obviously the way it was to go. And, and faith is about hearing God. Think about it. His, Jesus' attitude, he was not afraid to die. He knew he was going to be nailed to a cross. He knew all of these things, but he was not afraid to die. And you know, I want to tell you today, if you're born again and you're saved, then you should not be afraid to die either. There's no fear in death. And I'll give you an example real quick. I was watching this pastor that I respect. I watch people's lives because of integrity and what they teach as far as the Word of God. And I, and I listened to them and, and, and over a long period of time. And this pastor was talking about in April is that he, uh, he was, he's got a large church up near the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but he was out in uh, about two hours away from Dallas-Fort Worth area. And he started feeling bad, and he collapsed and sort of became semi-conscious. And they called uh, the ambulance in. They called what's the life light up there and all that. And the police came and all lined the area and stuff. Everything's supernatural. Listen to this. Is all of it was put up, uh, set forth for this, this man uh, of God. And his wife was there. And uh, what had happened was is they, um, they life-lighted him back to the closest hospital. And he had had tor two torn arteries. Uh, and one at torn, and they, they repaired that. And he was still bleeding. And, and uh, they went back in again. He had lost l more than 50% of his blood. And most doctors will tell you, you're not going to live, Betty and all you nurses know that. You're not going to live with that amount of blood because your heart is just pumping like crazy to try to, try to keep you alive. The life is in the blood. And so... Um, of course, they, they went in and, and of course, he lived. Looking back, how God, like what Martha's saying about Alice, how God orchestrated things and so forth. But he had an experience in the helicopter where the glory of God came into the helicopter and he was talking to the Lord uh, about, you know, um, he thought he was going to die because he knew that Jesus was there with him. And, and he started talking to the Lord and, and he said, but I'll tell you, he said, I was not afraid at all. I was not. I was totally at peace. And he said, somehow I knew that my wife Debbie and the church, his large church, would be taken care of. He said, I didn't, couldn't explain it or whatever. 
He said, I just knew that they would be taken care of, that my family would, would be taken care of. And then he also knew that, obviously, and he thought, and he said, you know, the way, the, what he sensed was that he would go into the presence of the Lord and, and that it would be only like a moment in time, so to speak, that his family would be there with him. It wasn't any essence in time, you know, in the eternal realm. And he knew that. But then he came back, and they were kind of working on him and all, and he said, he said, Lord, he said, I, I'm ready to go with you. And, and he sensed that there was a happiness in heaven like he'd never experienced before. And he knew the people that had gone before were so happy in heaven that he couldn't, words could not explain it. But he told the Lord, he said, you know, he said, I, I, I'm ready to go, and it's your time and so forth. But he says, I really feel like there's some more you want me to do here. And, he, and the Lord acknowledged that, yes, I, he did want him to stay. This was all happening in the helicopter ride from where he collapsed to the hospital. He had an encounter with the Lord, a death experience. And, of course, he lives the day to talk about it. He did say this at the end of his message. He said, you know what? He said, a lot of people today will say, I'm not going to accept Jesus in my heart until I get much older. And he said, don't do that. He said, because death can come very quickly. And you never know when death will be. And I believe that to be true. You know, Cindy in 1990 had an experience like that. And she had a visitation of my mother and her grandmother. And my grandmother came up on her. And she was the back of the ambulance in front of our house. And um, Jesus came into the, the, the carriage and just surrounded her. And she said, I'm, this is it. She said, I was not afraid. She said, I was totally at peace, ready to go. And the only thing she said, I have no regret. She said, I had not told, she had not told me or our daughter Allison. She loved her that, that morning because we had rushed out the door. You know how it's hectic getting out the door to go to work. And she said, that was it. And she said she didn't know what time long that encounter happened, but she said she just remained there. And 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 at some time point, um, uh, Jesus looked at the three people that were there. They didn't say anything, but she did tell me we were talking about last night. Real, quick, I just ha forgot how it came up. My mother was a tall lady, and she said that my mom was taller than the other ones in in the vision she had. And Jesus said, "Not now." And she knew when he said that, that she was going to live, and they all backed off and they faded away. There's no fear in death. Jesus was not afraid to die. So that wasn't the reason that kept him from going to Jerusalem. He was going on the Father's timing, and that was the main thing. I want to tell you, we need to obviously draw close to the Lord. There's some very significant things, and I'll be sharing them over the weeks to come about, I believe, what God is doing in this particular time of history. The wonderful thing about it is, is that our safety is wrapped up in obeying the Lord. And if he takes you away because you have been obedient, you're going to go straight in the presence of God. The wonderful thing. The second thing is real faith really submits to God's timing. You know, there are three essential feasts that the Jews celebrate in the Messianic Jews also. And one is certainly um, Passover, 
and then uh, Pentecost, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. And they also celebrate, but these are the three main feasts. And the Feast of Tabernacles is a really big deal, and it's a celebration. It is actually their time for joy for the harvest. They thank God for providing for them. That's why I linger in the here and saying, what has God done in your life? What's the thanksgiving that you can give the Lord? It's very important to give thanks unto the Lord for He is good. It's very important to stop and reflect because life is too tough. We need to be reminded of what God has done in our lives, the wonderful blessings that He has brought here. Jesus' brothers said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples can see the miracles that you do. No one wants to become a public figure who acts in secret. In other words, Jesus is obviously, they're saying, why don't you go in there and display your power? I mean, come on, show yourself. And Jesus was so humble. He knew that he would not even do that without the Father's permission. Now, I'm not saying here we got to be paranoid about that and doing things, certainly. But I'm saying, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 13. He says to seek me with all of your heart and you'll find me. He says, seek the Lord. Know the Lord. It's very important in that. And that timing is very, very important in, in the life of a believer. And I believe we will see more of that in the days ahead. The third thing here is real faith challenges the status quo. Jesus challenged the status quo. He spoke up against the wickedness and all the things that, that were going on, the selfishness that was taking place. And his devotion to God exposed their lack of true consecration to God. In addition to that, he verbally addressed their insincerity and disobedience. The light came into the world, and yet the darkness rejected it. They loved darkness more than they loved the light. And so they rejected him. And so when we find ourselves fully embraced by the world, it's time for concern. If we're looking more like the world than actually the world looks, then it's time for concern. If we're not somehow upsetting the apple cart, and I'm not saying being obnoxious and, in, and insensitive and all this, but I'm telling you, if your light's not shining in the darkness and driving the darkness out, it's time for concern. It's time for concern for our church if we're not driving, making a difference in this world. Whatever God's calling is, again, we need to, to seek Him on that. Jesus upset the status quo. He doesn't change. We've got to. And so we know it's very important when we present ourselves. And I want to tell you one thing you can do, and I'm going to say it until obviously we know that election November, you need to vote. You need to vote. Get out and vote. Are those men that we're voting for, are they perfect? No, but get out and vote. Get and go in there and vote those people back in. I'm not saying that the prosperity of a country necessarily, obviously, is that doesn't make it righteous in that sense. But we need to go in and put men and women of honor in these places. A lot of Christians say, you know, have said down through the years, old timers have said, well, we're not supposed to get involved in politics. Baloney. We are. We vote. We get out and put men and women in there. And it's not about somebody saying, well, I'm going to give you a little bit more over here and handouts and so forth. We need to work. We need to get back to a pure work ethic and work hard for what we have. My daddy taught me that, and I was that way. I worked 
And I know you, got, you ladies and gentlemen in this place today are people of high work ethics. You believe in that. We need to maintain that too. And not just give me, give me, give me, and me, myself, and I. We need to get out and do that. And you need to vote. Remember that. That's how we can, one, make one difference, actually. But I want to tell you today, when that happens, and, and you begin to stand up for righteousness, when you begin to speak forth in times when you didn't think you could speak forth, I want to tell you today it's going to make a difference. But you'll upset somebody's apple cart. You know, a lot of times you're saying, well, you know, you don't want to, sh you know, shake this and that and all that and kind of remain in the, the silent chosen, so to speak. No, we need to speak up. There are babies that are being aborted, that are being murdered in the womb as we speak. And there are those out there who want to push it even deeper today. And it's infanticide. There are babies that are being murdered right down here on the Gulf Freeway. And I want to tell you, you and I have to stand up for righteousness. And I'm not talking about any violence at all. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about standing. And when somebody asks you, what's the reason for your hope? What is the reason for your hope? You can say, his name is Jesus. And I want to tell you, his name is above every name. And when he's spoken of, the darkness has to flee. Yet we've got to upset those apple carts. Because if not, then I want to tell you, it's a slippery slope. And I believe what happened back in 1962 when they took prayer out of school, I believe that Christians did not stand up at that time. I believe that we did not take a stand because we've never seen this happen. And some of us were asleep at the wheel. Some of us would not take a stand and continue to put people in office to bring this country down and to make this what it is today. You see, God's eyes on the church. He knows, obviously, when the church is walking the way that it should walk, then the things in society will change. And you and I have got to stand and we've got to be holy because He is holy. And that's done as you walk with the Spirit each and every day. Those things that are not pleasing to the Lord, ask Him to get rid of them out of your life. It's what I've asked Him. I'm saying, Lord, get anything out of my life that's not pleasing to You. And Jesus said, I only want to please the Father. And you and I have got to be more like that. If it's a habit or whether or not it's something down deep, maybe it's your thinking, way of thinking, maybe it's your lifestyle, maybe whatever it is, you know, God will speak to you. Just give it to him and say, I don't want it in my life anymore. And let the light of Jesus, Brian, just shine brightly into the darkness and upset that status quo because Jesus did. He called a spade a spade, didn't he? He called the Pharisees exactly. He's like whitewashed tombs. You say one thing, you're hypocritical about this and that, and yet you live a totally different way. You know, we come in here and I'm dressed up and I can leave this place and leave, live the way I sort of like, you know, any way I want when I leave this place. Nobody has seen me. It's the same way Jesus is looking at you and me. I'm, I'm accountable and so are you. God is saying today, listen to the voice, that still small voice. Get into the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. God shows himself and so forth. It may not fit into your reason and logic, but get in there and, and stand upon the truth. 
and then march forward. I believe that we are in critical times today. I believe we will, we will see revival, but you and I have got to position ourselves in the right place. You know, when these people were saying in chapter 6, I'll close with this, they were saying, we can't drink his blood and we can't eat his flesh. It was a hard saying. A lot of times the Lord confronts us with a hard word and we go, oh my goodness. You know, I'll kind of skip over that because I love the teachings on God is love and God is forgiving. Yes, I love that. And yes, that's true. But let me tell you, it's the other side. When he says, I'll discipline you if you don't come in the right position that I want you to be, I'll discipline. Because he says, if you're not disciplined, you're not a child of God. It's real clear. He disciplines in his way and with grace and mercy, definitely. But let me tell you today, he has a way of getting our attention if we don't say heads up. I believe this nation needs to repent. I need the church needs to repent and turn back to God. Fall on their faces before God. That's why I've talked about in here. If somebody came up from the front or somebody laid on the floor and they were crying out to God, asking God to have mercy on them, whatever. And what would we think? Because we haven't seen it. Because we haven't seen when God's Spirit begins to move and things begin to happen. God is saying today, we got to change because He's not. And He's saying here, listen to His timing. God's timing is perfect. And God is the one that we're to look to. Isn't it great to know we have, we have a Savior who loves us? Oh my goodness. Woo! He loves us. And He says, I've got a plan for you. I want every person in here today, if you... Want to know that plan? You know one way of uh, finding that plan out? is <laughs> asking. is asking the Lord. Lord, show me. I want to be at that place that you want me to be. I don't want to be out here in, in left field. I want to be right where you want, to be, want me to be. And that's at the center of your will. Jesus knew that and he heard the voice of God. He said, don't go yet. Don't go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill you. And it's not time. That perfect timing as we listen to the voice of God, get into His Word. Meditate. You don't have to take and just read it. Obviously, all this, just meditate on it. Chew on it. Get it down deep in your, in your heart of hearts. The Word of God's powerful. Living and active, the Bible says, is sharper than a double-edged sword. And then step out in faith. Get people to pray for you. Get people to pray for you. Have people. We have prayer in here. You're not, obviously, we, we, we all need that prayer. I need prayer. Get people to pray for you and say, I want to be at the center of God's will. I don't want to be doing my own thing and, and sort of just presuming upon this. I want to do what God wants me to do. And I want to be ready because he could come back at any moment. We talk about the Feast of Trumpets, and maybe in that time period, that's when Jesus will come back. I don't know that. Some believe that to be true. When he comes back, be too late. Be too late. Let's bow our heads. You have decisions to make with the Lord today? You have something that maybe you just want to tell him? Just tell him. He's here. He's with us. Say, Lord, I, I just need to talk to you. You know what? God is so willing. His arms are open wide. I just want to talk to you about this, Lord. Just you and me. I want to be where you want me to be. I want to be at the center of your will. 
I don't want to be doing my own thing, presuming on that, hey, you know, all is well. I want to make sure that, you know, I am doing what you want me to do. Because I don't want to mess up this, Lord. I want to do it because I know you've come to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. But I need to pay attention. Jesus pay attention. Even the Son of God, He said, I'm not going till the Father gives me permission. And so pray for this church. Pray for me. That we don't do a thing that is not what God would have us to do. And even in His timing also. Some of you are waiting on the Lord for different situations. Maybe you're in some struggles. Maybe you're in um, just some things. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you one thing. And I know this, and this is, I believe, this past week I've seen it definitely. Uh, the enemy is coming against families really heavily. I don't know what's happening. But there is spiritual warfare against families real strong. Pray and rebuke the devil over your family. Just rebuking. You have authority. Jesus had authority. All authority has been given to me under heaven and earth, and he delegates that authority. Take authority and tell him he's not going to mess in your family. And take authority. Jesus has placed us here for such a time as this, and it's critical. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus today, or maybe you've sort of dabbled and, and, and so forth, today may be the day that I just invite you to say, to say, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Savior and Lord. And when I say Lord, Lord, that means he has control. Come into my life and save me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of everything I've ever done, past, present, and future, and come into my life and save me. The day is the day of salvation. The day knowing, just like Robert Morris was, was getting ready to go out into eternity. He's ready to go. You don't want to have any fear in death. Take Jesus by the hand right now. Don't wait. Maybe you're saying, I really want to, I want to know your will. And I want to walk in your plan. Lord, I just ask you to reveal that to the hearts of those in here who are desiring you. Oh, how my heart yearns for you. Oh, how my heart yearns for you. And then also, and the last thing is just, if you really say, Lord, I've just sort of been lukewarm. You know, the church at Laodicea is lukewarm. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be, I want to be on fire for Jesus. I want, I, want to, I want to love Jesus with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I want to love my neighbor as myself. Just tell him, I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be on fire for Christ. I believe God's raising that up in people's hearts today. Just, just tell him. I want to be on fire for you. And Father, these, you've heard the prayers of these here today. I pray your blessings upon every person here. Love them all, and you love them, oh God. And we ask you, dear God, that you would just pour your spirit out. Fill us till we're overflowing in the love of Jesus. Teach us, oh God. We're living in treacherous waters, and we need your teaching, and we need your direction. Help us with our timing only to do what you've told us to do, only what we see you doing. So open the eyes of our hearts, O oh God, that we may see you because you, O oh God, are worthy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.